Nakis, ah. 400 degrees, she check the temperature, respect is what we need, ease up, freeze up, you get left where you bleed, cheese up, we up, we got next to these streets, ah. damn, I'm really out here waiting on a clip emoji. Long no, so I caught a fifth you know. Guys, welcome back to Faded Truth. Today I have another beautiful cast member of the upcoming movie Bully the Dead Don't Die, set to premiere this fall of 2020. And today Ooh. I have Stephanie on the show, also known as Bugs. Look, Rico, I took this on because you said that this was a sure shot. No, I, I don't need no heat coming this way. I know and I appreciate everything you do. You know I do. Money Bugs, I should say, is laundering money for Rico and Valentine. He's warning her about something and she's getting a little apprehensive, like, wait, hold on. Like, you know, I did this to help you out or to look out or whatever because we go way back. But I told you I don't want no bullshit, you know? So mm -hmm. do you like Rico? Ah, you picked <laughs> <laughs> So you this is how you gonna do you're not gonna ease your way in, you just gonna go straight Because I saw that slick look at the end, like because he, he's like, you know, babe, I got you. You're like, mm. Oh man. <laughs> so okay, in a lot of ways I feel like bugs is like me. I'm used to like watching sports and boxing and you know, playing football and everything or whatever with the guys. So I've always been that kind of cool relatable around the way girl or whatever the case okay. so i think that bugs and rico kind of had that kind of set up a situation at first so i think at some point she was expecting for him like see me you know she wanted more cheers to your uh pimp cup <laughs> mm -hmm. my homegirl shanta she made this for me um i think like last year or something like that i love it I it matches your whole decor i like the um purple that's my favorite color same. Looks royal. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh-oh, you finna put something in the air. Throw it in the nah, air. Hey, I'm throw not it in at all. <laughs> you said you didn't sign up for this, so now they're getting you into some bullshit. Like, Rico is letting her know that, like, yo, some heat is coming down on us or what have you. Right. He's warning her that shit is about to get thick, and she's kind of like, wait, hold on. You know, I'm doing this as a favor, but this is my legitimate business. Right. What does she do legitimately? She owns the um, the auto shop, the auto repair shop. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So I saw another scene, one where you get the bag over your head. Oh. Right? So <laughs> that's where I first saw you, and I was like, oh, I got to talk to this girl because she's getting <laughs> fucking robbed and shit or right. kidnapped, like whatever. Right. So what's going on in that scene? Playing them. Easy get to slaying them. The bugs. She confronts Rico. She's realizing his true identity and what he does for a living, and she's like, how you play me like that? Like, we go way back. He's implicated and she's a part of it now because she's been working with him laundering money for so long. And I guess her mindset is kind of like, even if this is what you do, why would you involve me? And she storms out of the apartment, upset. He's trying to explain. And as she's storming out, there's like some mobsters coming up and they throw the bag over her head. And, and you screaming because you were yeah. like fucking going off and then it's just like boom. <laughs> right. It's like, wait, what the hell? Alex, he's so sinister because he didn't tell me. <laughs> he's so sinister. But I love it. I love it. it because like he kind of talked to me before the scene. I had the script already, but he's one of those people that his mind is working right there on the spot, which I totally love. Wait, so did you know that you were going to get the bag over your head or was that sh a shock? 
I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I, he said that I was going to get grabbed up or something like okay. I'm gonna have you. And then like right there on the spot is when he just was like, yo, this is what we're gonna do. And he's like, you with it, you game. And I'm like, yeah, let's get the shot. Let's go. And there's no real way that you can prepare for that either. There's no I feel like I would have just like fell or something real quick. Like <laughs> <laughs> tried to like come out the bag. Like <laughs> and my actions were real. Like when I'm kicking and yelling and screaming, I'm really like, oh shit. So homie was really strong to be able to handle me like that, you know? <laughs> So, what's your biggest character difference between you and Bugs? Like, she's seen too much, trying to do too much, you know, because she wants Rico to see her a certain way. She's hoping, I guess, at some point that the relationship will turn into more than just some homey kind of situation. That's not my vibe at all. Like, you don't have to see the queen that is here and come with it. Yeah, no. <laughs> No. I'm not chasing nobody. Ain't no subtle hints in this motherfucker. Not even my liquor. How about that? <laughs> so who's your favorite character in Bully? Is it okay if I have more than one? Mm -hmm. I love um, Sosa. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I remember when we were at the table read. And it's like the believability, like the energy sitting next to him and he's reading and I know he's reading for a character and I'm like, oh, like he's really with the shits. Like I loved it. And um, I don't remember his name in, but his name is Jose Eduardo Ramos. Baby. Santos. Baby. You no hear that? Joke. Oh Sosa my Santos. God. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I know you watch it. So what's your favorite scene, do you think? The chess scene. I like, you know what? Because I understand it for what it is. It's a literal and it's a figurative thing. So I love the chess scene. With that Rico and Tansy? Yes, I love yeah. that. I love it. Don't believe everything you hear. Here's what's crazy to me. You castled your king to protect it from my queen only to get pinned by my knight. It's unfortunate that a officer such as yourself with such great potential won't even see me or my people coming. Sure, we need to do this again sometime. Maybe I'll take you up on that. Have a good court day. If you're not dead. So when's the first time that you got into acting? I know at a young age you were reciting Eddie Murphy. I used to recite the whole thing of Delirious and Raw, go to school and just like act a fool. I can't remember a time that I wasn't interested in acting, to be perfectly honest. I went to high school for performing arts. It was called Talent Unlimited in Manhattan. There were people in there who played instruments, who sang, who danced, actors. It, it was just talent at wall to wall you come out of the classroom somebody's in the hallway busting out a dance a monologue anything can you recite me your favorite eddie murphy joke oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> damn i can't i'm gonna mess it up but he was talking about like he was saying like every man cheats every man he said and he said it's some guys in the audience sitting here with a lady right now looking like hey ed would you shut the fuck up Oh yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah, the jokes is funny and everything, but damn, shut the fuck up. There's a faithful man in the audience, clap your hands. And he says, like the woman turned around and look at her man and he like, 
Ain't you gonna put your hands together? <laughs> you better clap for this pussy. Stand up and clap. Stand your ass up and clap. Yeah. So you have three boys, right? Yeah. Are they all black? Or are they mixed? Uh, my two oldest sons are black and Hispanic. My youngest son is not. So do you feel that you have to tell them different things now with the whole movement that's going on and everything? Like, do you have to tell them how to how to act, or did you already kind of present that to them growing up? Yeah, I've been talking to them about this type of thing from they were like really really young. My children, my sons are seven years apart, all all three of them. So I had to do it, you know, at different times or what have you. I'm now talking to my seven year old about things, and of course, it's different. Um, when we were younger, we learned everything from the news. These kids have the internet and access to everything right at their thumbs. So sometimes he's coming to me with situations and I'm putting that awkward situation where like now I have to explain something to him that his mind not be ready to fully right. receive. I talked to my sons about possibly being like apprehended by the cops. And I remember with my oldest son vividly, I went to talk to him about how to respond to the police if he was ever stopped and he's like oh they already stopped me and at the time i think he was 14 15 if i'm not mistaken and i'm like seriously like you've never told me anything about that and he said yeah they told me that i looked too old to be using a school bus pass and they like hemmed me up and checked my pockets and it's like i lost it what do you say do you tell them to comply i've seen a lot of people comply i've seen people with their hands up i've seen people on the ground and their fate still ends up a, a lot of different ways. Some people don't make it home. Sometimes tell them to run, fight back, comply. You really don't know. Most of the time, they're going to have to comply to even have a fighting chance. Right. So it's like, you want to come back home to me, you have to fucking bite your tongue. And it's like, I can't even do that. You know, I hate it. So it's just really fucked up world. But I feel like growing, growing up and... Um, raising kids in this i would be super scared as a mom so i'm giving you props for that because thank you thank you so much yeah. it's, it's tough as hell me and my kids my sons we've been super active while my son started marching with me uh back with uh trayvon martin when they had like a rally for mike brown my kids were with me they had um a rally for colin kaepernick they were there then more recent with um george floyd and brianna taylor we've always been very very active always What's the definition for you for an activist? Because I know Tansy is an artivist. Yeah. So did you guys come up with this together? or? No, 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 not at all. Like when I saw hers, I said, damn, that's dope. I wish I had thought of that first. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I consider myself an actress, but also an activist where it's like I just merged the words because I think... Who is this? Nina Simone, one of my heroines. As an artist, she feels that it's our responsibility to reflect the times that we're in. Sometimes some people, they may not want to hear a lecture or what have you, but if you put it in a song or if it's in a movie or something like that or whatever, people will receive it better. So I always try to incorporate things that I feel about, things that I think people want to see with things that people need to see. It's like um, hiding the medicine in the candy for lack of a better term. I know you were working with kids with disabilities and in group homes and stuff. So how'd you get into that? I was working with uh, people who had various developmental disabilities, ranging from autism, Down syndrome. Um, they were adults, but some of them had like mine, like children. And at first I was working in the group homes as like a support staff, helping them with ADLs, taking them out shopping, going on trips, things like that or what have you. 
And then I started working in the day rehabilitation center. And we started this program called um, Dancing with the Staff. You remember the show Dancing with the Stars? Mm -hmm. So it's like one of our participants and a staff member every week would have like a dance off. We had outfits and all of that type of stuff or what have you, where we organized it and we're doing uh, different shows because this is what I'm passionate about. So I started doing shows with the participants for their family members and stuff like that. And these are things that um, a lot of the family members, because they have like a diagnosis or a label, they think they're incapable and that they're not able to do certain things. And it's like, no, anybody can learn and anybody can grow. They may not be able to do it to the same capacity as other people, but they still can. From that, there was another one of my staff members and she was like, you know, I'm putting on this play. It's going to be in Harlem. I want you to come out and audition or what have you. And I'm like, dang, I haven't acted in so long. It's been a long time. And I kind of moved away from it because I'm a single mother. I'm raising children. I don't have time like for a hobby. But she wouldn't let up. She kept on. And I'm like, okay. After a while, I was like, this is a sign because I'm not chasing it. It's literally chasing me. Right. So I'm like, let me go forth and go to it or what have you. It was hell, like getting to the audition and everything. And then I booked the part. And from there, it's like the acting bug like was reignited in me, and it was like full steam ahead since then. Wow! And what was that role? Was that an off Broadway or no? Yes, that was off Broadway. That the name of that play was called um, "Where Are All the Good Black Men." Where they at though? <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Carnival Girls? It's an all female uh, production team. We write, we do our own stage, own stage and our props, and we put on plays um, in the city, like mostly like in the East Village. Oh, I've wow. been with Carnival Girls now for I think two, three years possibly, and I did like a big play called um, The Werewolf of Washington Heights, and I played Afro Latina. I was a Dominican woman, an immigrant, and I had a Jewish wife. It was bomb. It was bomb. I earned a nomination for Innovative Theater Awards. Nice. Yeah. You said you had a Jewish wife? Yeah, I had a Jewish wife and I played a Dominican woman. Did you have to like, did you have to kiss her and stuff? I did. I did. Was, it, I did. was that weird for you? It was. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was weird, you know, because director, her name is um Charmaine. She was serious about uh, the scene study and us really acting as if we were a married couple. So it, there were times in rehearsal and everything where her and I really had to like, even outside of rehearsal, she wanted us to build a bond so that it would read that much better and translate that much better on the stage. I was very like protective of her and everything. And it was so weird uh, the night that her actual husband came to the show. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, damn, babe. <laughs> Thank right. you for the free show. Right. <laughs> what do you think is the hardest part about acting? I think I'm somewhat of a perfectionist. I want everything to come across perfect, you know, and sometimes art is not supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be what you feel in the moment. It looks very, very easy, but then when you get in front of the camera and the light and this room full of people and everything or what have you, sometimes what you're doing doesn't translate well on camera, if that makes sense. It's like you watch it later and be like, dang, what the heck? I shouldn't have done that. I should have did this. I should have done right. that. I have you. But yeah, and losing your inhibitions is, is not, you know, you have to like zone out and not care about what the other people in the room are thinking, what somebody is doing, what the, you, you can't, you have to lock in 
and really live and be in that moment. And I had to learn that like the hard way, you block everybody else out and fully be into character and forget about all of that and like jump in, like really commit to the role. Yeah, somebody told me before a bit of advice, if you don't feel foolish when you're doing a certain thing, you're not doing it right. Do you have a ritual or like a special thing you do before you act or get on stage? I need to lock in and try my best to like go into like a, a quiet place by myself. I don't do like the phone calls and the texts right before I'm about to jump into a character because at that moment, like I I'm not mommy, I'm not Stephanie. I am who I'm supposed to be in character. I want to fully get into that mindset. I pray and I meditate and I just, the affirmations just flow, flow, flow. Cause sometimes you got to gas yourself. You know, you got to let you like tell yourself like, yo, I'm the shit. You got this, go out there key you can feel it like in your interaction and your energy and and your vibration is lower when you're not doing those things those self-care things yeah. like kids you know i need my time <laughs> oh they know i'll put up the church finger real quick and i'm like mommy needs a mental health moment and they know what time it is i come in <laughs> mommy mental health moments yes, you should start a blog <laughs> <laughs> that's a good you're right i yeah. definitely should Let's talk about Amade. That's like a really dope project that I worked on with um, Katiana and Jomo. They are a production team. It's called um, Slept On Creatives. I love that name. And they made a web series based on their relationship, them getting to know each other and working with each other and building with each other on a romantic level. So they wanted to put that out into the atmosphere as a web series. So they booked myself. And this other actor's name is Jeremy Mitchell. And we play Kat and Jomo in this series called Amade. Look, y'all know how it is. And then Liz is fine. That was one of the um, projects that I'm in that I wish I could see more of. It was a short film. It's about like social anxiety, being in places and you just not feeling the energy, you not feeling the vibe or, you know, there's days where you don't have a definition. I don't know why I'm sad. I don't know why I'm angry. I don't know why I'm depressed. I know I'm feeling a certain way and I really can't engage and I don't want to talk on the phone and I don't want to go out to eat. So the film was about someone who suffers from um, different levels of social anxiety and things she did to cope in this world and in New York City. She worked in a gynecologist's office and I was one of her co-workers and I was one of the more supportive co-workers where I noticed that maybe she was in crisis. What's remote control? Oh, yes, let's get into it. <laughs> Over quarantine 2020, I wrote a short film about my experience quarantining I promised my friend that I would say hello to you today. Hello. 
Hello? Please say hello to me. Please say hello to me. Because everybody's experience was different. Some people live in private houses. They got gated communities, estates, or what have you. And then there's people like myself who live in busy New York City in a huge apartment building where there's really no such thing as social distancing. You know, we all have to use the elevator, the incinerators. We're all touching the same doorknobs or what have you. And we are pretty much the epitome of people who live on top of one another. It was also uh, the social distancing with my sons. And it's like, I have to be on top of my oldest son. You got to stay in the house. You got to this, you know, what have you. And the kids, they didn't understand what was going on. Even as an adult, I didn't even understand fully what was going on. People, the media that we were getting the information from, they didn't know what the hell was going on. Right. So it was just like, what the heck? So I was like, you know, at this time, like, I want to be creative. Um, I've always said that I wanted to produce my own content from my POV and things that I've experienced in my life because everybody has a story to tell and everybody has an audience, you know? So I figured, you know what, I'm home. I'm working from home. This would be the perfect time to write something, to put it together, just chronicling my day-to-day -day with my son's quarantining. I felt like that's what was taking place at that time, that we were being controlled remotely, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and ironically, the remote control is like this weapon or what have you, you turn on the TV and then you have access to all of this different information or misinformation that I should say. Are you writing an anthology on love yeah. and relationships or did you already write it? I, I already wrote it. It's one of those um, episodic shows where you don't have to start from season one or you don't have to start at episode one or like Black Mirror. What happened was. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, what had happened was that's between me and my homegirl Passion. She's like super, super, super talented. She's an actress and a spoken word artist. We're two friends, you know, you call each other and it's like, yo, so what had happened was and you're recounting what happened either in your day or in your week. But as you're recounting that like the actual reenactment is happening and you're okay. just, yeah, you're getting the view as the audience of like what I'm saying, just a play by play. But it's one of those things where at, at first I got a lot of stories, girl, you're going to have some animation. Let's do it. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. We all have like stories and stuff. that's like, yo, I got to put this out or I got to do something with this or what have you because who the hell would believe that shit like this actually right. happens? <laughs> What's your accomplishment that you're the most proud of hmm. in, your, in your career so far? My short film, Remote Control, like I talked about wanting to do something. And not only did I talk about it, I put pen to paper and I actually wrote a script. And then I went and I packed out like Home Depot and Target, um, getting like aesthetically what I wanted. I got artwork for the walls and stuff like that. Or happy because I wanted certain like pieces to jump out at the audience. I wanted it to speak to the audience. And then I actually shot it and I did some voiceovers. And what's your motto for oh, yourself? Man. Everything is is perspective. Like it's how you look at a thing and how you receive a thing that shapes your reality. Sometimes we feel like things are a certain way and we receive it that way, but that's not actually what it is. Like more seeing the glass half full as opposed to half empty. So I'm big on like gratitude affirmations and being grateful even for my current situation. Even if I'm not 
particularly satisfied with it and I want more for myself, I learned to be grateful um, and to be a good steward over what I have currently. Mm -hmm. And that will open up the doors for more to come in. You know, if you, whatever little you're blessed with, you really appreciate that and then you'll be blessed with more eventually. Yeah. When you get you to that point of being more blessed, it's have. like, yeah. yeah, I always have to stop and like tell myself, like, think about where you came from and then look at where you're at now because my dreams are so much bigger than what I'm doing that I don't like take the time to be grateful for where I'm at. And I'm like, bitch, like you would have been killing somebody for this life fucking 10, 15 years ago. Right. Like, just, just sit down and be humble and just chill right. and enjoy it, you know? But we don't celebrate our wins and sometimes we don't give ourselves our flowers. Sometimes we don't look in the mirror and be like, bitch, I'm proud of you. Okay. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Like you doing your thing. I remember you talked about this and now you're doing it or what have you. And I'm proud of you. Ooh, yeah, self checks, self checks. Look, <laughs> you got your soul going. <laughs> yes, I just, like, I just felt that in my spirit. Like, oh, thank God. Yes. Oh, you can sing too. I mean, she do a little something. Thank you so much for being on the show, Bugs. We're gonna see you in the upcoming movie, Bully the Dead Don't Die, dropping this fall. Yes, ma'am. Wow, niggas in the squad that stab a few. You know what it is. 